The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Bruce Tolgan. He's an advisor to business leaders all over the world, and he's a sought-after keynote speaker and seminar leader. He's also the founder and CEO of Rainmaker Thinking, which is a management research and training firm, as well as RainmakerThinking.com. Training, an online training company. Bruce also is a best-selling author. You may have heard of some of his books, such as It's Okay to Be the Boss, a bestseller, The Classic Managing Generation X, Not Everyone Gets a Trophy, It's Okay to Manage Your Boss, Winning the Talent Wars, and Fast Feedback. He's here today to talk with us about a book he released just a few months ago in September 2014 called The 27 Challenges Managers Face, a step-by-step solutions to nearly all of your management problems. Welcome to the show today, Bruce. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Yes, and I, I'm just amazed. You've, you have culled all of the management problems of the world into 27 top ones, and you uh, group those into categories. I believe you have seven major categories and then three to four under each one to come up with this 27. And I'm curious, obviously you have an extensive background. I'm wondering how you settled on these eight categories and these 27 challenges. Well, yeah, people often ask that, why 27? And and let me just say, of course, it's not all of the management problems in the world. It's just nearly all of the management problems. <laughs> the ones that count, uh, huh? Well, you know, uh, it's based on what is now 21 years of research uh, we've conducted in the workplace in organizations of all shapes and sizes. And um, well, one of the questions we ask managers is, well, what are the challenges you're facing? Um, we've asked hundreds of thousands of managers over the last 21 years, What's the hardest thing for you about managing people? And then we drill down uh, in our seminars and explore the challenges managers are actually facing. And so um, the challenges are based on that research. And um, I wish I made them up. You know, but <laughs> it's all based on what is now 21 years of research. And, you know, this is what managers say. Right. One of the first... Well, actually, it is the first thing that you address in your book, and that is really the manager, the new manager, uh, things that they need to learn. And one that I think has to be incredibly difficult is going from being a peer to being a leader, that you have maybe spent several years with a team of people, a group of people, and then suddenly you are promoted to manager and you're in a different situation in the dynamics of the relationships you had changes, what are some tips that you can give people who find themselves in that situation? Well, I always tell uh, people who are in that position, uh, you've got to make a decision. What's more important to you? Um, if your relationships, as they stand, uh, if that's what's more important to you, 
maybe you shouldn't take the promotion, mm -hmm. you know, because your relationships are going to change. Uh, the other thing is you have to be very careful about thinking you know everything about the team and everybody. Uh, you know everything from your perspective. Uh, so one of the complications is you can all, you can make the mistake of thinking you already know everything and everyone. Uh, you, you already have relationships. Uh, you likely already have strong opinions about who's who and what's what. And, of course, they have strong opinions about you, too. Uh, those were your peers just the day before and your direct reports today. Uh, so maybe there are even some people who thought they should have gotten the promotion. Yes. People who have more experience than you were people who were your work friends or people who maybe you've become social friends outside mm -hmm. of work. Yeah, and maybe you know too many things about them because you were their social friend. That's right. That's right. And uh, so one of the things I always tell managers in our seminars, and again, you know, I wish I made all these solutions up, but uh, what all of our work is based on uh, asking the most effective managers, what do you do? And uh, so... Uh, what what the most effective managers do is they they understand this is going to change my relationship, um, and it, the best practice is to establish ground rules uh, at the outset. Uh, if you do have friends, you want to say, "Hey, our friendship is very important to me, but my job is also very important to me, and uh, when we're at work, I need to do a good job at that. I need to be really good at that, and then." Uh, I always tell folks, if you really want to protect a friendship, um, you can do that by being really good at being the manager and minimize the number of problems, and then you'll minimize the number of potential conflicts. Yeah. You know, I jumped right into one of the uh, challenges because I wanted to give our listeners a flavor um, of the types of things that you address in the book. But now I want to back up a little bit. Uh, you really talk about, in, in the very beginning of the book, you talk about the fundamentals that really underlie all of these challenges. And you say, you know, really it's the fundamentals that are all you need. And you gave a very good example of a of a team that was working on a project and the manager thought he she had been doing everything right, uh, had been having regular meetings, uh, open door policy, you name it, you know, going by the book, everything right, and yet the project was unraveling and they weren't even aware of it. What was the fundamental that was missing there? Well, you know, it's so often the case that managers feel like they're doing the, the basic work of managing. Um, but what most managers do is they are stuck in a cycle. And, you know, they get a false sense of security because they're having team meetings, even though most people will tell you that most team meetings are mediocre mm -hmm. uh, and not enough information is exchanged. It's a little too easy to hide. Uh, a lot of people are looking at their watch. Uh, you know, the manager's monitoring email traffic all the time and in regular touch by email, looking at uh, uh, the business uh, of the day, uh, keeping track of projects that way. Maybe the manager's touching base and checking in and shooting the breeze. Hey, how's everything going? Everything on track? Let me know when you need me. Uh, and then, of course, uh, if you say, let me know if you need me, my door is always open, then you're always being interrupted. Mm -hmm. And then, of course... Uh, management by interruption uh, is probably the single most common way that people interact with their direct reports uh, because 
you know, you don't want to be, uh, you, you want to try to give people a little room to do their work. And as a result of that, you say, you know, let me know if you need me or I'll let you know if something comes up. But then you're always interrupting each other all right. day long. And, and then, of course, you have your formal reviews. And what happens is you think, gosh, you know, I'm having meetings, I'm touching base with people, I'm checking email, uh, my door is always open, and it seems like everything's going just fine. Uh, and then, inevitably, what happens is something goes wrong, uh, and everybody has to jump into firefighting mode. And by the time you're done putting out the fire, uh, you know, then you really don't have time. Right. And you write back uh, to, well, listen, you know, let me know if you need me. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll touch base with you quickly, and I'll try to watch the emails, but I can't watch all the emails because there's a tidal wave of email, and uh, maybe we should skip the team meeting today because everyone's so busy. And so this is what I call managing on autopilot. And it's what most managers do. And there's a subtle difference between that and what really, really works, which is what we call high-structure, high-substance dialogue. Okay. Um, and that is, uh, that is the way to get in front of problems. I call it the fundamentals. It's pretty basic, and yet most managers don't do it. So it boils down to communication, it sounds like, the, the kind of communication, not just going through the motions of communicating. Well, it's it, right, and people think they're communicating. If mm-hmm. I say, hey, you have to communicate with your direct reports to a manager, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I talk to him every day. How's everything going? Everything on track? Any problems I should know about? Those are the three most common questions managers ask their direct reports. The problem is that those questions don't tell you very much, and it's like a game of tag. What managers need to do is build and maintain an ongoing, regular, structured, one-on-one dialogue with every person that's focused on making expectations clear, tracking performance, and providing candid feedback, providing support, direction, troubleshooting, uh, making accountability a process, not a slogan. Mm-hmm. And so the difference you know, between best practices and what most managers actually do is most managers, it's ad hoc, hit or miss, um, and while it's the best practice is high structure. And it's not just the structure of the timing. It's, it's more regular, more frequent, uh, but it, we have a regular one-on-one conversation where we're tracking performance and getting in front of problems so that we're fire-preventing instead of always firefighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you acknowledge in your book that, uh, you know, it's a given that managers are going to spend part of their time uh, firefighting, but you also say that 90%, I believe it was 90%, of those fires don't need to occur in the first place And using this high-structured uh, method that you just described. Now, let me ask you, though, a lot of employees complain about being micromanaged. What is the difference between a manager who micromanages and a manager who follows this highly structured, highly communicative process that you just described? Well, if you were in one of my seminars, I would say, ding, 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 you asked the micromanagement question, you win a book. Uh, you asked the micromanagement question, you win a book. Uh, so, um, I'll have to send you a book. Uh, the, uh, you, you already the, have, book, thank you. you. <laughs> oh, all right, okay, excellent. Uh, you know, uh, my view is that micromanagement is a household word, but it's quite rare. Uh, 
Uh, what's much more common is under-management. Mm-hmm. Uh, managers who are not giving enough guidance, direction, support, and coaching. And as a result, they're stuck in this autopilot and so many unnecessary problems occur. Um, but, look, micromanagement is too much, too much direction and feedback for this person at this time with this task. And I always say to managers, how do you know how much direction and feedback this person needs at this time with this task unless you're engaged in a regular dialogue with the person? Right. So what often, right, so what often looks like micromanagement is under-management in disguise. It's, you know, here, take care of them. And then you come back um, an hour later or a day later or a week later and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? Mm-hmm. Well, you said take care of it. Yeah. Well, it turns out it wasn't up to you how to take care of it, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and they're or, just supposed or, to know, read your mind how they wanted it taken care of, huh? Exactly. Didn't you know there's a checklist for this? Well, gee, why didn't you give me the checklist when you gave me the assignment? So giving me the checklist when you give me the assignment, that's high structure, high substance. Just giving it to me and then coming back a week later and looking over my shoulder and showing me everything I did wrong or taking it away and doing it yourself, that's not micromanagement. There's no management going on there at all. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it's under management. What what good management does is it creates space for people in which to do their work by giving them clear direction up front. So what real you know the antidote to micromanagement is delegation. But delegation is not just here. Figure it out. Do it however you think it should be done, even though it's not up to you. Um, And and delegation is also not looking over your shoulder saying. Hey, dot this I, dot this I, dot this I, cross this T, cross this T, cross this T. There's no management going on in either of those cases. What delegation is is defining a goal uh, with a clear timeline and providing the guidelines and specifications up front. And when you do that, then between the goal setting and the deadline, uh, there's space. And that's how you create the structure. Uh, now, that's, of course, for a new project or a recurring task or responsibility. Then you meet regularly uh, to go over standard operating procedures, uh, to, to go over high-priority questions. Um, and really, in that sense, it's just that you're putting some structure around those conversations instead of putting those into a series of interruptions throughout the day. Right, right. And, and it's it's much uh, easier to, for everybody to understand what's going on is, uh, when you're sitting down and everything's very clear as opposed to, as you say, these interruptions where you're just getting a few seconds here and there and it's herky-jerky. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to dive into a couple more of the categories that Bruce outlines in his book and see what he has to say about those. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk radio. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Robin with Small Changes, Big Shifts. I'd like to invite you to join me on Wednesdays at noon on my show so we can give you some tips and some ideas that will inspire you to reconnect to the good that you already are. You know, it takes all aspects of life to really live a whole life. It's not just about one thing. I'll be sharing my network of friends around the country with you that specialize in health and wellness from all different aspects, whether it's mental health, physical health, or emotional health. So join us Wednesdays at noon on small changes, big shifts, you never know what little thing 
will help shift your life. Get ready for an evening exploding with energy as we celebrate Kansas City's entrepreneurial community at the 14th Annual 25 Under 25 Awards Dinner and Gala Saturday, February 28th at the Downtown Marriott. Join host Thinking Bigger Business Media and sponsor UMB for cocktails, dinner, and entertainment as we recognize the achievements of 25 outstanding Kansas City area small businesses with under 25 employees. Reserve your tickets now at 25under25.com. That's 25 under 25. If you store your guns properly, I'll feel safer when I'm playing outside. Safer when walking home. I won't have to tell so many family members. I'm sorry. I won't hear as many scary stories. And I won't have to tell my kids this isn't a drill. Please. Please, do it for us. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Never let your gun get into the wrong hands. Remember, always... Lock it up. Visit ncpc.org. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here with Bruce Tolgan this morning. He is the author of a recently released book called The 27 Challenges Managers Face, Step-by-Step Solutions to Nearly all of your management problems. We've been talking here this morning about the fundamentals of management and about why he came up with 27, based on 20-some years of research and hearing the same things over and over again, he, he finally came up with these. And I'd like in this part of the show to talk about some of those in particular. For example, attitude. You have a whole section devoted to attitude. And I think, uh, as a manager myself, I think that's probably one of the hardest ones to address. In fact, some people, some professionals will advise you not to bring attitude into the discussion, that that is a bad word to even bring up. So how do you go about addressing that? Well, I concur. I always say if you have somebody with a bad attitude, don't don't tell that person they have a bad attitude. That's a good way to get a bad attitude, much worse. <laughs> uh, but it, you know, it's hard to talk to to talk to people about attitude because attitude seems so personal. Like maybe it's none of your business, or maybe it's intrinsic to the person, so it's not possible to change. You know, that's why people say, "Oh, that's who he is," or "That's just who she is." And it seems intangible. It's a little bit hard to describe. Uh, so you might think, wow, you know, she's doing a job. But mm-hmm. Who's to say she has to do it with a smile on her face all the time? <laughs> and uh, yet, if you ask people uh, what are the most vexing problems that they deal with, uh, attitude is always on the list. Um, and so how do you deal with that? Well, what we always tell managers is, uh, that you you need to include that as one of the basic uh, expectations. Um, feelings are on the inside. Attitude is what you do on the outside. Yes. And uh, so it's a little bit hard to define, but you know when you see it. Uh, I use the term attitude to zero in on that sort of special category of behavior um, that is observable on the outside. Uh, it can be seen, it can be heard, it can be felt, uh, but it is hard to define. And so, look, attitude is expressed in communication practices. It's words, it's format, it's tone, it's gestures. Uh, and what I tell managers is don't let attitude be a personal issue. Make it 100% about the business. Mm-hmm. Make, great, make great attitude an explicit, regularly discussed performance requirement. Uh, 
And don't try to be that person's therapist. Uh, don't try to change an employee's internal state. Speak to external behaviors. And refuse to allow attitude to remain vague. Be very, very clear and define what is the required external behavior. Give me an example of how you would handle, uh, uh, present an attitude problem, and then how you would uh, address that, the communication that you would use, the words that you would use. Well, if somebody, for example, what, what we, what, one of the things I've tried to do is um, identify what are the most common attitudes in need of adjustment. So uh, I call them the porcupines. Mm -hmm. The anglers, the debaters, the complainers, the blamers, and the stink bomb throwers. <laughs> and um, those are the six most common bad attitudes. The porcupines are the ones who say, you know, leave me alone, get away from me. Um, if you approach them and say, hey, do you have a minute? They say, what? And uh, so as a manager, you need to be able to say, hey, um, no hard feelings, but uh, when your colleagues approach you, uh, and have a question, you can't make them feel uh, like it's not legitimate. You can't make them feel like you're unavailable. Um, you have to be a good team player, and here's the appropriate way to respond to a colleague who's approaching you with a question uh, or a need. Uh, so that's the, the, the porcupines are the ones that we all recognize. The entanglers are a little more clever. <laughs> because they want to wrap everyone up in, in what they're doing. They want to get other people involved in what they're doing. It's like they're fundamentally lonely. Mm -hmm. And so they, they waste other people's time. And so with the entanglers, uh, over time what you need to do is uh, help the entangler learn to prepare better agendas for conversations, uh, be, become more organized, clear, and focused, and you have to teach the entanglers to prepare in advance um, and how to communicate in a highly purposeful manner to be more brief, straightforward, more efficient, to focus on concrete next steps, uh, and to wrap up conversations with clear to-do lists uh, for himself, herself, and anyone else who's involved. Uh, because, you know, the entanglers, they just want company. Right. And so they, they wrap people up. The debaters are the ones who, no matter what happens, if, if something comes up, they turn it into a debate. And there you have to focus them on solutions. Uh, same with complainers and blamers. Uh, you have, what you have to do is name the behavior, but don't name it like you're a complainer. You want to describe it, that here's what you're doing. And mm -hmm. you have to describe it in, in terms that are undeniable because they're observable. You know, with the porcupine, you can say, uh, you emit a low growling sound every time somebody comes up to you. <laughs> you know, in the future, maybe you could say, good morning. Right. <laughs> let's move on to, and we just have a short time left, so let's move on to one that is also incredibly difficult, which is, you know, in spite of all of your good intentions uh, and all of your good work and procedures and, and so forth, there are always forces that are outside of your control. How do you manage for things like um, uncertainty or resource constraints and other things that you just really don't have control over? Yeah, I mean, the fundamental rule is you got to focus on what you can control. Sure. Uh, and that's you and how you react. 
Um, there's so many things outside your control. Change is a constant competition for limited resources, interdependency after rely on other people, uh, technology, globalization, diversity. Uh, you know, there's so much happening out in the world that is outside of your control. And what we teach managers is a two-part process. One, manager, focus on what you can control. And two, keep your people focused on what they can control. Uh, and so you have to stay vigilant and you have to react. Uh, Professor Covey, Stephen Covey used to call being response-able. Uh, you're able to control your response. Right. Right. And, you know, you have so many uh, good pieces of advice in this book that are couched around the 27 challenges. Uh, again, you break them into eight categories. The best, the one thing I like about this book is that because you have them grouped into those eight categories is that if you are having a particular problem, you can zoom in and read those three or four chapters. But really, to get the full effect of the book, the full benefit of it, you need to read the entire thing from front to cover. So if someone's interested in getting your book, where would they find that, Bruce? Oh, you could always go to Amazon or the folks at Barnes & Noble would would. I would hurt their feelings if I didn't say also you could go to Barnes and Noble or really I, what my publisher would say is wherever books are sold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you can always go to rainmakerthinking.com and uh, you know you can get the book through there through my company or the, there's a lot of free stuff at our website as well. Okay, so rainmakerthinking.com and that's how they can get in touch with you, find some, order the book, find other uh, tools that can help them with their management. Uh, Rainmaker thinking.com. Bruce, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. Thank you very much, and good luck with your book. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Bruce Tolgan, The 27 Challenges Managers Face is his new book, and it's probably going to be on the way to being a bestseller like many of his other books. If you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.